It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 19th, 2015. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. We actually got on air on time tonight. Yes, we did. We're on the right track now, and we're looking forward to getting you on track with some answers tonight. Questions at collegeu.com and the chat room to the bottom of your video feed, and better yet, 877-381-4567. On an important subject, Dan. Yeah, um... Before we get to that, Jacob, I might mention our trouble we had last week. Um, we got started late. Our our computers were messing up, and some people were waiting for it to come on. And when we came on, they didn't know we were on. So just a reminder to our regular listeners, if there's some kind of blip like that, you need to refresh your browser to make sure you... Several s- folks just sit there watching nothing, waiting yeah. for it to start, and it won't start without you pushing the play button. Yeah, so you gotta you got to... Yeah, be be proactive there if, yes. if we have such okay, issues in the future. Okay. So All right. just mention that. Um, and mention that if you're not on our regular weekly update list, uh, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. So just put in the subject line, add me to your list. And on Thursdays, we will send out, about midday, we send out a note about what our topic is going to be for discussion that night. Start seeking feedback uh, from our regular listeners. Today we suggested, Jacob, we want to talk about the Christian and his money and how he budgets his money and how he, how he regards his money. Yeah. It's really an important thing. And we, we, In all the years of the Virtual Bible Study, as I look back through our archives, I found only one program where we've ever talked about that sort of thing. That's unbelievable. And, and it was uh, seven or eight years ago, so I think it's a worthy topic. We're yes. going to approach it a little bit differently tonight. We want to talk about the Christian and his money. We want to look at biblical guidelines, how we should view our money. But one part of it that I'm especially interested in discussion, discussing is how would a Christian build his budget based upon scriptural guidelines? Yeah. Uh, we're going to use that as our last segment in our program tonight, but we want to talk about some of the biblical principles before we get there. If you're not signed in the chat room, uh, sign in now. Easy to do, and you can get your thoughts together on scriptural principles for budget making. Now, that's an interesting concept, and maybe you'll have some ideas on what would be some... So you're looking for categories. You're yeah. not looking for, like, I need to spend $200 on Well, this. of course, everybody's budget is different based upon how much money they So you're make, not going to tell me that, but you're going to tell me categories I need to put in my budget. And what order they ought to be in. And the order they are. In other words, it's not, enough, you go. it's not enough just to have categories. You've got to have the categories prioritized properly. Are you charge over this service tonight? Well, Dave Ramsey makes a fortune talking like that. And you got it from the Scripture. And Dave Ramsey says, I can just give you the same advice your grandmother gave. I just keep my teeth in. Yeah. You know? So we're going to give you the same advice the Bible gives, and Dave. that's better. All right. All right. Well, you're going to stay tuned <laughs> for that. What about that, Dan? He's going to fix all our problems right here tonight. 
I'm looking forward to the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dan's uh, on our, our board tonight. Thanks, Dan, for being here. Sign in the chat room there so you can get your thoughts together on that. But you've got some other topics we need okay. to talk about as well. Okay, here's the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, in regards to the Christian's money and possessions, comment on these areas. Stewardship, one must work to eat, and the danger of covetousness. Okay. Number two, is it wrong for a Christian to have savings? Okay. Number three, is it okay to incur debt? Okay. And in regards to that, what does the Bible teach about bankruptcy? Okay. And then number four, what would be a budget based upon scriptural principles? What would it look like? All right. Good discussion tonight. We'll look forward to that. Look forward to hearing from you on the program. Let's start out. Let's just jump into it, Jacob. Let's start out by the idea that really all of us need to view what we have as just simply we are stewards of things God has given us. All right, absolutely. You know, maybe one step back from that. You know, you, as you introduce the subject, we ought to talk about how dangerous money is. I mean, all kinds of warnings about money in the in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, you know, the the famous statement of the Apostle Paul in First Timothy chapter six says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. Uh, let me read that. That's a very famous section. First uh, Timothy six. Uh, beginning verse 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. I think other versions say all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil, right. Which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Yeah. So I think it's, we can have a vibration here or something, aren't we? Yeah, thank you. Try that now. Um, I think it's interesting that Paul says, they that will be rich fall into temptation there in verse 9, 1 Timothy 6. It's not just necessarily the rich people who have this problem. That's exactly right. You, You could be just absolutely broke dirt poor and have that that very problem you want to be rich and you i mean i've known people who were didn't have anything but were falling into the same kind of sins here that uh these yeah. people are yeah. getting in about so the and and it's not money that's the root of all evil it's the love of money which is the root of all kinds of evil all right so so, so well, dangerous. A, lot, a lot of warnings that's, dangerous that's dangerous stuff yeah. so we yeah. this the, this topic tonight is uh, very pertinent. We need to be aware of the, the the responsibility and the danger that comes with money. We've got one to add to the list. Six, uh, I guess, fifty nine or fifty six oh nine says maybe you could talk about how much money is needed to start a family, raising a family, like annual. Well, guess fifty nine fifty six oh nine is wanting a, a number to put with it. And I, I, do I, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that would be very subjective. Certainly, you couldn't base uh, that on a biblical principle. Other than this, I would say this in regards to uh, en- enough money to. St- he says, "How would how much money is needed to start raising a family?" Well, you have to have enough to be able to provide for them. Yes. First uh, Timothy five verse eight: If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, okay. that, that's that says that I, if I, if I'm a husband and father, I have the obligation of providing for my family. Yep. And I need to understand that that is my responsibility. Yes. And, I, and, you know, so, you know, if, if, if I don't have kids but I don't have any money, m- maybe I need to get some more money before I start having kids. Or if I've got three or four kids and 
but I'm, I'm just absolutely strapped, then it would probably be ill-advised to have four or five more kids right. if I can't provide for the ones I've already got. So there, there would be a biblical principle. All right. Alignment. So First Timothy 5, verse 8 says that you have to provide for your own household. But if I, ha I have to combine that, though, with First Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 8, and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. So our standard doesn't have to be a Cadillac and, and lavish vacations every year and, and, and a fancy house. Yeah. That's what our society says. If you're going to provide for your own, you've got to be able to do that. That's not the case, but you do have to provide for their needs. And the, and the needs will go farther than just food and clothing uh, for, for our family. Yeah. Um, so you've got lots of things to consider there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I will say this. Young people need to be working to prepare themselves to provide for their family. Yeah. We see a lot of young people today who, well, they don't have, they don't have, they're not married or maybe they're married without kids and they don't have a lot of needs. And so they just sit back and play Yeah, and uh, make no provisions and no preparation for providing for their family. Where do they, where's that going to come from ultimately? You know, and, and again, I think you're exactly right, Jacob. Uh, it'd be pretty easy for me to get on my soapbox here, but I think one of the failings of our society is that we're not teaching young people to have a sense of responsibility and to develop a work ethic and and to be able to provide for their own, you know, you know, there's there's this great trend of kids going to college and then moving back home with their parents. They don't have a job. They don't do anything. And they don't have a desire. And not, not much. To not, not much don't ambition need to go. Mom and dad are taking care of me. I'm living yeah. in the basement and everything's fine. That's not going to happen in my family. I'm thinking about moving to your basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Uh, uh, that'll be another discussion for another day. <laughs> we'll need more than an hour for that one, Dan. All right. All right. So let's talk about this idea of stewardship. Um, how should a Christian view his money and his possessions? And I, I think that we really should, Jacob, be mindful of the fact that we are just temporarily the custodians of what God has blessed us with. Yeah. And that's really been a principle that he has taught his people all, all through time. I've got a passage here from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember that Deuteronomy is, is Moses sort of giving his farewell instructions to the, to the children of Israel. He's led them for a long time. His life is about over. He's given them final instructions. And he's talking about when they will get into the promised land. He, he's not going to be able to lead them into the promised land, but they, he's got them ready to go in. But he's warning them. Deuteronomy 8, beginning verse 11, I'm just going to take some excerpts out of a longer text, running clear down through verse 18. He says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all, that thou, all thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they said, don't, basically Moses was saying, don't forget, you're nothing without God. And you wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the fact that God blessed you with these things. Understand your, your role here. Yes, absolutely. And, um, well, he's given it to us, and therefore that has to change our attitude towards it. It certainly gets rid of the pride uh, that's associated with prosperity. Uh, that the children of Israel fell into, and people today are still falling into that. Yeah. A good study, we don't have time to do it tonight, but a good study is to look at Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes as he went through and describing the various things that brought vexation to his spirit. Yeah. One, uh, one of the things that really troubled him was that he had worked and earned, and he was going to end up leaving it behind for someone else. And he says, who knows whether he'd be a wise man or a fool. 
and and but it really plagued Solomon to consider that he couldn't keep what he had forever. You know the old the old uh, well-worn stories of uh, a rich man who died and two fellows were at his funeral and one said to the other, "How much did he leave?" Uh, and the other fellow said he left it all. Right. He and and of course that's just, just a simple way of saying that we're just temporary possessors of the of whatever we have, greater or little. We're yeah. just temporary possessors. We need and that and if we can keep that in mind, I think it produces a humble spirit uh, that will keep us more on track. That passage in First Timothy chapter six that you quoted earlier goes on in verse seventeen. It says, "Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty." nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So that dovetails in very nicely with Deuteronomy chapter 8, where we're to trust in God. He's the one who's given us these things. Don't get proud and puffed up, but trust in him and do what he wants us yeah. to do with those riches. Here's, here's another good text from Jeremiah 9, beginning verse 23. Jeremiah 9, 23, beginning, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And again, the same warning there uh, through the prophet Jeremiah was just, just remember where, how this all lines out. Remember who's in charge here. Remember your place, and you're just, you're just a temporary on the scene. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or the chat room at the bottom of your video feed. And Brendan in the chat room references Matthew 10, verse 8, uh, and he says, I believe the principle stated in the latter part of this verse would be very applicable to Christ, the Christian and their money. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, uh, tells us, uh, as I get there, Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, uh, says that... Um, that uh, freely you have received, freely give. Your thoughts on that? Well, again, if it's if if I'm just in temporary possession of this and I can't take it with me, as we all well know, then I ought to be willing to use it to accomplish the purposes that God wants me to accomplish. I'm, if if I'm a steward, what does a steward do with with? In other words, if I was working for a man and I was his steward, what does a steward do? Well, he oversees what his master possesses and he uses it to accomplish his master's goals well if if that's my view of the of the material blessings that come my way that i'm just i'm just using these for my master to accomplish his purposes that's a whole different way of looking at money and possession absolutely it's not mine i haven't uh i haven't necessarily i haven't per se earned it or deserved it god's given it to me i've worked for it but he uh, he's given it to me and therefore uh, I need to be mindful of him and what he would have me do. The parable of the talents here, I think, would be one of those things that tells us about stewardship in Matthew chapter 25. And certainly we have talents that aren't necessarily monetary, but mo uh, money is one of those talents, one of those abilities God's blessed us with, and we need to be using And there's an account, and, and it, the parable definitely speaks of accountability. Right, right, for those blessings and uh, those, uh, those yeah. opportunities God's given us. Yeah. All right, 877-381-4567. Thank you for your comment, Brendan. We'd welcome your comments in the chat room as well. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we get back from the break, we'll take your thoughts. What about the idea that we must work to eat? That's, that's, a, that's an unpopular uh, doctrine. You know, it used to not be, but uh, 
that's one of those one of those sore spots now that you Very get sore. run out of town on a rail for yeah. saying something like that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that, and then we've got to get into the danger of covetousness. It is ironic in a society as blessed as ours that we'd have to talk about covetousness. You'd think we'd all have more than enough and be content, but we are not, and so we've got to talk about covetousness. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College of Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Most of the problems in your life are due to two reasons. One, you act without thinking. Or two, you think without acting. Spiritual maturity isn't measured by how high you jump in praise, but how straight you walk in obedience. Raise your words, not your voice. It is rain that grows flowers, not thunder. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program as we talk about money. We're going to have to step it up a notch here because Dan's about to fall asleep behind the control. Yeah, yeah. we gotta get, we got we to make, bad, bad, we got to get this yeah. conversation no, alive. I'm interested in the conversation. Okay. Fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, yeah, you need to work to eat. One of the, one of the financial principles that is certainly grounded in the scriptures is you, you need to... Able-bodied people are expected to work to provide for themselves, work to eat, so to speak. Uh, you know, the, you see, you see sometimes this sign will work for food. You know, uh, and sometimes at uh, exit ramps off the off the expressway, right. there'll be someone that will work for food. Well. There's some question as to whether they're really willing to work or not. They well, more... may demonstrate a principle. They even understand that a person ought to be working. Yeah, or yeah something. exactly. Yeah, right. They don't want to get. They don't want to give the impression that they're just uh, wanting to mooch yeah. off somebody. But we've got a real problem in in our particular culture. And I don't think this is a worldwide problem because I don't think in many countries they have the social programs that have really run amok in America. Uh, to, to the extent that able-bodied people are actually being motivated to not work, um, that really needs to change. Uh, and, and there's certainly some biblical principles that, that apply. First Timothy, excuse me, First Thessalonians 4, beginning verse 11, study to be quiet, do your own business, to work with your own hands as we command you, that we may that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. How am I to have lack of nothing? Work with my own hands. I'm not supposed to have lack of nothing because other people are always having to give me a handout. If I'm able-bodied, then I should study to be quiet and do my own business and work with my own hands. That's that's what the Bible says. And in the chat room, Brendan's active tonight. He's referenced Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse ten. 
which says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now that's a that's a pretty cut and dry principle that, that God has given us there in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse ten. Yet our society, the ultimate in our society is if you can sit on in a chair and uh, put your feet up and let people bring things to you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's 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 the dream. That's the American dream these days. Is I got to get it to a point where I can just sit down and not do anything. Yes, and 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 I really think it is. It's detrimental to our society. It's detrimental to the well-being of people. Yep. And it really needs to change. Detri- you talk about the well-being of people. It's detrimental to your health. It's detrimental to your mental and spiritual well-being. Yeah. Uh, not being active. Uh, we already referenced First Timothy 5, verse 8, if any won't provide for his own, especially those of his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Ephesians 4, verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So you're not supposed to steal. What are, what are you supposed to do? Work with your own hands. Yeah. So the idea of being industrious, working, uh, uh, earning, those those are certainly principles God expects us to work, and we should not be expecting others to carry us. If we're able... Now, the obvious caveat to that, Jacob, is that we... There are some who are not able to provide for themselves uh, due to physical infirmity or maybe even a mental infirmity of some kind. We understand that, and and the, the Bible would certainly teach us to be benevolent toward those who have genuine need. Mm Mm-hmm. Our concern here is that there are people without genuine need who are expecting these handouts, and the biblical principle is work to eat. Yeah. All right. Can I get on? An, can I get the soapbox out again? Go, go, go. All right. This, now, this is God's admonition to us, right? Is that we need to be working uh, if we want to eat. We've got to be. We've got to be. We've got to be industrious. We've got to be working. In Ephesians chapter six, verse four. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Parents are to be teaching their kids what God expects of them. And many in our society today are failing in teaching them that God expects us to be working. I think uh, it's good. That, uh, that would be one specific, but certainly an I mean, important now, specific. Now, so, so parents are going to, now I'm going to teach my kids that they got to be honest. They, gotta, they don't want to lie. And they can't steal. And, and they can't fornicate. But then we just... We, we, we're letting down on the area of you got to be working. Uh, I've known parents who, uh, their kids, you know, they're well-bodied, well-abled kids, but they're not doing any work at all. And you ask them about it, the excuses, well, they play sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, is that is? is I, I knew a family once that, and uh, the mother wouldn't let the son mow the grass because he had allergies, and so the all, all through his his growing up years and teenage years, he never was expected to do any lawn work because he had out. Well, I got allergies too, but I got them on my grass, you know. Yeah. Uh, take a pill, put a mask on, go mow the grass. Yeah. Uh, but I think we, we excuse. I think I, I'm, I'm exactly with you on that, Jacob. I think young people are being excused from expectation, you know, and that's a new thing because just a couple of generations ago. Everybody in the family had their chores. That's the, why you had kids, is because you needed to yeah, help. And and the and the family's continued existence depended upon everybody pulling their weight. Right. We live in such a, an age of luxury and convenience and ease that I think parents now are more challenged to find chores for their kids to do. But you need to be finding them, teach them to work, and they need to see it in you as well. Right. Your 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 goal in life should not be to 
sit on the easy chair and, uh, and, and look for that uh, excuse to not work, but it needs to be, uh, you need to be active. All right. Well, soapbox is going to be put up. We might get it out later on tonight, but it's up for now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nick in the chat room has mentioned that widows and orphans are mentioned continually in the Old Testament. Israel was punished uh, for, often for failing to take care of the widow and the orphan. There seems to be a balance between work ethic and the fact that the poor will always be with us. I think you're right, Nick. And, and, and that is the caveat to the, to the statement, you should work to eat. There are some who obviously are unable and should be cared for. Right. But it's way overdone in our culture. Right. And uh, and so, yeah, there's certainly – and we could see it in the Old Testament. There were, you know, there were certain conditions that would have been even more uh, handicapping in those days than you know, people who are blind. That was, Blindness was more of a problem. That, that person obviously would be one that would have to be cared for, those who were lame. Uh, and other and other health problems could cause that, but there are people who choose not to work today and are poor as a result of their choice, not because of their situation. Yeah, exactly. All right. Right. Thank you, Nick. All right. The other thing we ask: what what would you how would you comment in regards to how the Christian views his money and his possessions? What should we know? What should we understand about the dangers of covetousness? The dangers of covetousness. And Nick's got another comment on, on Romans thirteen verse eight. We'll save for. Another uh, another topic here. We'll get it to here in just a minute, Nick. Uh, what about the uh, danger of consciousness? As I said, that it is a problem in our society, uh, and probably, you know, is it? You think it's a bigger problem in a uh, than a affluent society than it is in a in a poor society? I think it is. I, I, That's I, ironic. I, I think it? because we have so much, we're we're even more discontent than those who don't have hardly anything. Mm. Covetousness, the un, inordinate desire for money and the things money will buy is a real plaguing problem for us. Je, here's what Jesus warned about it in Mark chapter 10, beginning verse 23. Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah. So Jesus said, if you're rich, you're making it harder for yourself to go to heaven. Wow. That That's is... a pretty straightforward statement. And I, But I don't think a lot of people taking that very much to heart. No, uh, no. You know, that's an interesting uh, statement there. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. There have been all types of efforts to explain what Jesus was meaning by eye of the needle. Some have suggested that there was a, a low gate in the wall of the city of Jerusalem, yep. and, a, and a camel could, got, could not go through that gate with a burden on its back. They had to take the burden off. The camel had to kind of get down low to go through this low gate. It could be done, but it wasn't easy. But from, what, from my study of that statement, Jesus was doing as he often did. This is hyperbole. This is, this is extreme for emphasis. And he's saying, he's talking about a sewing needle there. You can't push a camel. This, it's impossible for a camel to go through a sewing needle. And it's impossible for a person who trusts in his riches to go to heaven. Now, now Jesus was trying to state an impossibility there. If you're trusting in your riches, it's impossible for you to go to heaven. You know, that seems to go along with what the, the apostles seem to understand it that way, because in verse 26, they ask, who then can be saved? So if, it was, if this camel, you know, the, 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 as it goes, you know, the, they had, the camel had to get rid of all of his baggage to get through there. Well, the apostles wouldn't have been scratching their heads and say, who could be saved? Because camels do that all the time. You just have to, you know, 
who you got to take off their load and they can do it. The apostles said, well, that's impossible. Yeah. So they seem to understand it the way you're saying it. Yeah. The verse that I like to remember about covetousness, very straightforward from Jesus, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Now in our world, in our day and time, people are saying, yeah, it's all about the abundance of things you possess. Jesus said, no, that's not how to measure life. And, and so this goes very much to our theme for tonight, Jacob. What should be our outlook on money and material possessions from a biblical standpoint? Our outlook should be that there are a lot of things more important than that. There are more important things. There are a danger. Uh, we are to be stewards, and we need to be working in order to eat. So lots of things to keep in perspective as we talk about money and uh, lots of things that we need to remember. Um, uh, Jared in the chat room says he wishes he had allergies growing up. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he's one of those that you made mow regardless of yeah, allergies. I, I said, I, whether, you're, whether you've got a running nose or not, get out there and mow the grass. Yeah, I remember you telling us that's why you had boys, so you wouldn't have to cut the that's grass. That's right. Um, and, but, you know, I know some, I know some, parent, some, some men who are still mowing their grass, and they've got boys who could be doing it, and, I, and I'm thinking, there's something wrong with this picture. Yeah, there's a wire not connected up somewhere. And uh, Travis uh, references 1 Corinthians 4, verse 12, and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure. And so Travis references uh, there that we need to be laboring, working with our hands. Thank you for that, Travis. Um, and Brendan in the chat room says, that is something I had, still have. Even if I was not working a job, I had chores. Still have chores. It does not matter if I had a long day or have to go somewhere. Chores are expected to get done. Yeah. And Brendan, uh, that's good. Your and that, but that's uh, very much lost that. in the modern day. That's very much a lost concept. And we need to, parents, uh, I'm with you on that, Jacob. I think parents need to really put emphasis on giving kids a responsibility to work to to fulfill responsibilities, to develop a work ethic, to understand that they have these expectations, and and they're based upon the teaching of God's word. And it may mean more work for you to give the kids chores. I mean, it may be that they it, they make yeah. a mess when they do it, and you've got to go behind them and Just redo eat, it. Yeah, and you yeah. And you, sometimes you've got to look for opportunities to. Find sometimes it's easier to do it yourself than to have to oversee them doing it, but. You've got to take that. Or maybe you're going to take on a project so that you can uh, give them something to do along those lines. Yeah. You're looking for extra things to do there, but it's, uh, it is important. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we'll uh, take your thoughts. We're going to talk about having savings. And incurring debt. And incurring debt. Sort of contradictory <laughs> thoughts there, but we'll work that through. Uh, we'll get a break, get this week's bullet point, and we'll come back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Winston Churchill said, quote, There's no use saying we're doing our best. We must succeed at doing what is necessary. Of course, his determined philosophy united Great Britain and produced a great victory against incredible odds in World War II. We need a huge dose of that kind of positive commitment in the Lord's service. We're in a very real war, according to Ephesians 6, verse 12, and our enemy is far more forceful than the dreaded Nazi army, according to 2 Peter 5, verse 8. We cannot be content to say, quote, we're doing the best we can. As Churchill said, we must succeed, and we can, with our Lord's help, Philippians 4, verse 13. As the significant spiritual challenges unfold before us, let us commit ourselves to greater efforts for God. Begin with yourself as you strive for more purity of life. Study more diligently. Pray more fervently. Work more earnestly. 
Then let your commitment spread its influence to others around you, to your family, to your brethren, to those in the world. There are many battles to be fought. Most of them are the quiet, personal ones of our everyday lives. Each of them is urgently important. We must succeed. The statement, we're doing the best we can, is really just a cop-out. It never makes things any better, and even more importantly, it shows a distinct lack of faith in God. Many new tests, trials, and challenges await us. How will we answer? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is Jared in Warwickshire, England. Listen to the chat from the Virtual Bible Study each Thursday night. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we welcome you back to the program tonight. And we want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College of Church of Christ by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And you, we welcome your comments at any time, questions at collegeu.com, and we welcome uh, your questions or suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study. And those can be simple questions, maybe something you have wondered about, something you study in, in the... And, and I'm actually seeing in the inbox right now, Travis has sent in a question about... Um, and, and we'll put it in our stack of stuff, Travis. Give us a preview. He says, how would you explain Revelation 3.14 as Jesus, the beginning of the creation of God. All right. We, Good question. Was, was Jesus the first thing God created? Was uh, he a created being? God created Jesus, and that was the first thing he did, so that's the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Good question, Good Travis. question, Travis. We'll put, it, right. in the, in we'll the put it in the mix. Stay for, tuned for that. And if you have a question, see, it's a simple question. That didn't take Travis very long to write that out. No. And it, it's not going to be a full program. Uh, well, it could be, but it's probably not going to be. So just, you've got a question, send it in. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about money on the program tonight. We've been on our soapbox, but Nick is going to, he makes me get back up on it. He says, McGarvey, in his commentary on Acts, points out that Jewish custom taught one of the responsibilities of parenthood was to make sure their children were trained in a trade which they could use or fall back on if needed. There you go. There you go. Thank yeah. you, Nick, for that. So, in other words, the Jews had that principle. Where do you think they got that? Yeah, I think they got that from God, don't you? Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so our next question was: Does the Bible condemn saving or having a savings account or storing up certain things? Mm. Uh, people might wonder about the basis of that question because I sort of think that we assume that it's a good thing to have savings, but uh, but we we need to prove that from the scriptures. Closely associated with that is just some people think it's inherently evil to be rich or well off yeah and there's well, we'll answer uh, I, I, the question you answer well, the question about savings i think it'll answer the question about being rich yeah in proverbs 21 <laughs> verse 20 there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise but a foolish man spendeth it up in other words the, the statement there in proverbs is it's wise to store up some treasure to have some oil in reserve you mean you know have it in your dwelling place have some things stocked up yeah he says it's the foolish man who just spends everything he gets and doesn't save anything. Yeah. So there would be a biblical principle saying, yeah, it is wise to save, to have some money for a rainy day, so to speak. Yeah. Back in First uh, Timothy chapter 6, we referenced that several times tonight, but verse 18, talking to those who are rich, again, you can't be rich if you haven't got anything. They say the, It says in verse 18, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Now, if I haven't got a cent to my name, how can I be ready to give? 
But notice, this is an instruction to Christians who were rich. Yeah. In other words, and the instructions were, use your riches wisely. Use, use them. Rich, but you're going to have a storehouse yeah. and just be ready to use it and distribute it. Exactly right. Okay. Now, the, probably the thing that would come to some people's mind is, well, what about the very first Christians who, who apparently lived almost communally in Acts chapter 2, just as soon as, soon as the church began in Jerusalem? It says... Uh, uh, fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Yeah. And then there's there's more statements along that line concerning what those very first Christians did um, in chapter four of Acts, verse thirty four. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to every man according as he had need. Yeah. Now, from that, would we argue that that's what we ought to be doing? We shouldn't have any personal holdings. We shouldn't have any savings account. You shouldn't have your stuff, and I have my stuff. It should all be a communal kind of thing based upon what those first Christians did. All right, guess 5842 references Acts chapter 4 and says the Christians sold land and houses they possessed to give uh, to other Christians in need. Obviously, they, did, they didn't have savings or retirement accounts like we have, but it does show that they did have some possessions they could sell in order to give to others. And so it is true. In Acts chapter 4, Christians had some possessions, had some riches that they were able to sell to use. But I will put it to you this way. That was before they became Christians. In Acts chapter 4, when they became Christians, they sold it all. Is that what we can learn from well, that? Well, I think, and that's a conclusion that some try to reach, but yeah. I think it's a mistaken conclusion. Right. Because go on into Acts chapter 5. You remember the episode with Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, they in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Notice verse 4. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Right there. Ananias didn't have to sell the property. And after he sold it and got money for it, he didn't have to give it if he didn't want to. And so I, right in the immediate context of that first century, or uh, uh, first Christians in Jerusalem uh, setting, you see that they weren't being instructed to do that as a necessity. They were doing it voluntarily because of the special need that existed. All right. And I have another passage I would use to reference uh, this idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love passage. Uh, where Paul says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Paul here is using hyperbole and says, if you do all these things, but you don't have love, then it doesn't amount to anything. Notice what he says in verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Again, Paul's using hyperbole here. He says, if you were to go to the extreme of having your body burned, but you don't have love, then it doesn't profit anything. And he says, if you go to the extreme of giving away all of your goods and don't have love, it doesn't amount to anything. But he's using hyperbole. Paul hadn't given his body to be burned, and Paul hadn't given all his goods away. He still had goods. He still had savings. And so I think it's uh, we have scriptural authority to have savings. Yeah, and, and there are some Christians. You already referenced 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Uh, and following where it talks about two rich Christians, those who had possessions, 
There were wealthy people. For instance, the, the short little book of Philemon was apparently addressed to a man who was somewhat well-to-do. He, mm -hmm. he owned slaves. He owned the slave Onesimus, uh, we know. And Paul was writing to him about that. And then Paul's, Paul told him that he was about to be maybe released from prison. And he said in verse 22 of the book of Philemon, but with all prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. And so he was a man who had a house, who had holdings, who had possessions. And so, so if uh, Paul didn't write back to him, I mean, Philip, Philemon didn't write back to him and say, what are you talking about, man? I gave everything Christians away. sell all their houses in their <laughs> yeah, land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so uh, the, the, I think the right answer there is in Acts, the early chapters of Acts, when the church first began in Jerusalem, there was a special need there. Christians or, uh, Jews had come to Jerusalem from all over the world. They had learned about Jesus Christ as the promised uh, Messiah, and they stayed. Uh, to learn more and to be a part of this new thing, this this the church in Jerusalem was growing by thousands, and so there was almost an immediate need for for the daily requirements of these people to be met, and that was being met by selling lands and property and having things in common. But that was a special circumstance. We do not see it consistently in all circumstances wherein Christians lived during the first century. All right. But the principle remains, if there is a need, uh, we need to be willing to make some sacrifices uh, to help uh, with Tra that. Travis mentions Joseph of Arimathea, who in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-seven says that he was a rich man and he was a disciple of Jesus. There you go. Good point. Good point, Travis. All right. Uh, and Brendan says before there was any government welfare program, uh, in the modern sense, uh, there was the benevolence among the brethren in the church. So that's right. Okay. All, right. All right, real quickly before this oh, break, Jay. And uh, Nick has referenced Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, where the ant is held up as uh, something we should... Uh, the the industriousness. The industriousness. The ant. Uh, go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which, having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Oh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And so the ant was storing up and, and preparing for the hard times. And so the, the example will be for us. Is store up a little bit. Yeah. All right. Prepare for the future. All right. Now, now let's quickly go to, is that, it, what but, about but incurring wait debt? Just oh, oh, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute, though. I think we got to work. we got to, as we do have these savings, we got to keep the... Uh, the, the rich fool in mind here who who has he, overdid his savings. Well, you know he he was bringing them in and he was storing those up and pulled put, down his barns and built greater barns and uh, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He was condemned for that. Okay, and so, so we could take that to an extreme right. that would would fog our spiritual uh, perspective. And we don't want to do that. He lays up for himself, but not I got so much saved up, man. I got no need for anything. Yeah. And then look at that 401k. And then Boy, there's a pile of money in that. And so by overconfidence in what I have saved up, then I, I stop being motivated spiritually like I need to be. Right. Good, good point. Okay. Good observation. All right. Okay. All right. Now debt. All right. Well, is it right to incur you us debt? A, you owe us a little talking about debt here. Um, well, in the Old Testament, there were some warnings about taking advantage of people by loaning them money. Uh, in, in Exodus 22, beginning verse 25, in the law of Moses, if thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an usurer, 
Neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. If thou take, if thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down, for that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? And it shall come to pass when he cries unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. God said, you be careful about loaning money and being exorbitant and mistreating the people that you loan money to because you're going to answer to me if you do that. That's yeah. basically what he said there. You know, recently, Jacob, I learned of a situation uh, where someone had sold a car title to one of these title loan companies that mm -hmm. are just like a plague on the earth. And they're and everywhere. They're everywhere. And they're you open know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's you know how much interest they charge? In this case, I know this for a fact. You know how much interest they were charging that person on, on the title loan? Mm. 156% annual interest rate. Mm. Is that crazy? That's, that's, that should be illegal. But that is certainly the kind of oppression. So if I borrowed $100, I'd have to pay back $256 this time next year. Mm -hmm. That's Unbelievable. right. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. Uh, th that's the kind of oppression that, that is condemned in the Scriptures throughout. Okay. Uh, notice in Psalm 37, verse 21, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. Well, it doesn't say the, the wicked borrows. He's wicked to borrow. Right. What makes him wicked is he borrows and doesn't pay back. Okay. And so I would say that verse argues it's not wrong to borrow, but you must pay back. Now, Nick in the chat room has referenced uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Yeah. And uh, that's a little bit troubling. What do you think about that? Well, it's that, that verse, I think many of our listeners are familiar with that verse. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Oh, no man anything. Okay, so I don't think that means don't, don't borrow, but it means pay on time. For instance, I think the good example of that is if you have a mortgage on your house. And so at a set day every month you're supposed to make your house payment and so you've made your house payment this month if you were to contact the mortgage company and say is this guy owing any does he owe you anything and they say no he's all paid up that doesn't mean that the mortgage is paid off but it means that right now they do not consider you owing you are paying on schedule and so i i, I would say yeah don't be owing and this suggests the idea of being negligent or or in arrears on your payments don't don't do that but it doesn't say that you can't borrow. You just must pay back and pay back on time as agreed. All right. Yeah. You. You. Well, Dan, you you couldn't go out to eat at a restaurant if you couldn't owe anybody. I mean, you go, you eat your meal. You owe somebody for that. You know. Yeah, you do. Right? Well, you know, Greg, you're absolutely right about what you were saying just a minute ago. Because I actually I called in to make a payment you know, over the phone and so forth. And, and the actual recording that came up, it said, at this time, you currently do not owe anything. And I thought to myself, well, that's, you know, I actually thought of that very point that yeah. you've made before. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, technically, I do have a balance on, on, your mortgage. My, on my mortgage, but it said I didn't owe anything. Right. So, because I was current with my payment. Exactly. Exactly right. I think that's the way to view that. All right. Now, real quickly, and then we've got to take our last break and get to this budget. I wanted to see if we can, can construct this budget. But what about bankruptcy? Well, um, the principle there is it's a wicked thing to borrow and pay not again, Psalm 37, 21. And Romans 13, 8 says, oh, no man, anything. And so, you know, I, I think that 
a Christian has to be concerned about. You can you can declare bankruptcy. You know, you've got debts that you can't pay. Uh, there's a provision to declare bankruptcy. There are different kinds of bankruptcies that can be taken, and you know some of them are just basically walking away from your obligations. Other types of bankruptcy say, well, I have to declare bankruptcy, and it'll give, me, and then I'll I'll be able to reorganize and make a plan to pay those that I owe money to. I don't see anything wrong with that, but I think to just callously write off all the debt that you have incurred is probably not what a Christian ought to be doing. No. Oh, okay. All right. Good. I don't know. And there are different chapter seven, chapter thirteen, chapter eleven. I, you can't I, read that many. I, chapters. I don't know. I've never read that many chapters okay. in my life. But right. I, the uh, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of that. But I, I would just say for Christians, we are, you, you really need to be careful about it. Uh, but sometimes debts are accrue beyond your control. For instance, if you were to have a serious medical condition, you might run up a million dollars worth of debt. Uh, and you know, it's outside of your control, then you know you might have to declare bankruptcy. But they, 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 medical they, institutions sometimes will force you to declare bankruptcy because so they can take that off their book. But even then, your goal should be to make some agreement to pay what you owe. You're saying there is a form of bankruptcy which is designed to help you pay your debt, not to alleviate your debt. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now. We could talk a whole, I think we could spend a whole hour on the idea of debt. One thing, one verse that you've got to keep in mind, because you can get, you can get loans on anything. You, you know, well, you, I heard one preacher say it's pretty bad when you've got to go to, you go to KFC and get a bucket of chicken and put it on a credit card. You know, I mean, yeah. you, can get, you can get a loan for anything. Yeah. And you can get way more loans than anybody ought to reasonably have. You've got to keep in mind Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be with, content with such things as you have. Hey, I if, want if that new boat. I'm going to take a loan and get hey, me my new. Hey, man, it's no, it's easy financing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I got to get it. Yeah. Are you Are you following that? Are you being content with such things as you have? If you're taking out a loan for more toys. Yeah. So got to keep that in mind. All right. Okay. Let's take a break. When Let's we come back, break. we're going to have just a few budget. minutes to talk about a, a building a budget. All right, building a budget. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Surveys over a period of 20 years show that, on average, a thousand new churches start every year in the United States. However, every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors. Additionally, every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. Half of all churches in the U.S. did not add any new members to their ranks in the last two years. That information is via churchleadership.org. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, and we haven't budgeted much time for this discussion, but we want to get it in. Uh, how do you do a budget? You said you hey, you've got biblical principles on how I need to lay out my budget. All right. 
What would be the first thing? You're going to budget your money. Let's say that you're going to make, what are you going to make? You're going to make uh, $500 this week. $500, okay. okay. You're going to make $500 this week. So you got to figure out how you're going to spend your money. What's going to be the very first thing on, uh, that you're going to spend money on? Well, I go to the Old Testament, and I was told, I, I'm, I read where they were told to give her their first fruits. And so that God expected to be first in line. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't necessarily read that in the New Testament, but I would apply that principle. So I think he, he needs to be first in line. I think so too. I think if you're going to write out your budget list, the very first line has to be what you're going to give to the Lord. Now, this, this we don't have time to dive deeply into this tithing question. In the Old Testament, the Jews were required to give a tithe or ten percent of their of of what they were blessed with. Uh, New Testament doesn't teach tithing. We're not we're not under that same Old Testament law. We're under New Testament law. We're to give generously, give voluntarily, give as we've prospered, uh, give as we've purposed in our hearts. We've talked about giving before on the virtual Bible study, but I think. One way to look at it is if, if, if I'm not at least looking at the 10% number as a, as a starting place for my consideration, the poorest Jew in the Old Testament was required to give 10%. So if, if I'm not at least looking at that as a starting place for my considerations... You're not binding that, but you're saying it. it's, a, it's an idea, maybe a good place to start. Yeah, I think that's where we need to start on that and that's the top line. So, you know, if I, if I don't put that on the top line, if I, if I think about my car payment and my big screen TV and the vacation I want to go to on that new boat I really have to have, and I get, all, I get all of those things, and then way down here at the bottom of my list is giving to the Lord. Well, I've already, I don't have much to, I don't have much it's money to give. to spend that money. Yeah, I've yeah. already spent it. I, I don't have it to give. So turn the order around. Get him up on the top of the list, and then it might not be so hard to start thinking 10% or even more. If I've put the Lord on the first line of the budget sheet, Dan, I've I've not seen anybody on the side of the interstate begging for food that says uh, need food. I gave it all to God. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, so I don't think that's going to be something we need to worry about if we will put him at yeah, the top. Yeah, of the list. Brendan says uh, the offering should be at a level of some kind of sacrifice. I think well, that's that's good. a good point, Brendan. Yeah, he know, says maybe it'd be more than ten percent. If, but I do think it should. In other words, if you don't, know if, if if you're not giving enough to the Lord, that you're having to give up something else because you're giving this to the Lord, then that's really not sacrifice. That's true. In other words, you ought to be giving enough that you're not doing some things you could do if you had that much money to spend otherwise. Yeah, you know the, the Israelites were, con- were were condemned for giving the lame and the blind. You know. I don't really. I'm not really that anyway. They were given the leftovers. Yeah, I won't miss that okay. little cow there. Okay. He's all messed up, right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Okay. So God, on your budget list, God's got the top line. Yeah. Secondly, and you're not minding the tide. Don't we? Don't want to leave that impression. Right. You're not minding that, but he needs to be at the at the lead. Okay. Yeah. Secondly, you you got to provide for necessities: food, clothing, shelter. Mm-hmm. And we would go to the verse that we uh, suggested earlier from First Timothy five verse eight. And he provide not for his own; he's worse than an infidel. So, you know, so you're going to have to budget necessities. You're going to have to budget. Uh, you're going to have some place to live, and where you live has to be kept warm on a cold winter night like tonight. You know, you're going to have to pay your utility bills. You're going to have, and you got to have some clothes to wear. You got to have a good coat. The roof, the roof's going to wear out. The roof, now. if the roof's leaking, it's got to be fixed. So those are necessities. That would, I think, obviously come second. Okay. 
Now in, we're going to maybe we maybe we want to pare down some of those necessities. Maybe we don't want to have the ten thousand square foot house. You know? Yeah, because I'm telling you, if I have to put a roof on a ten thousand square foot house, it's going to cost me a lot more than putting a roof on a fifteen hundred. So, so you're going to have to be reasonable with those necessities and, ha yeah, and what yeah, you yeah. What, what you put in that necessities box. You know. Yeah. yeah well, and, and uh, again, uh, full, necessities, not uh, not desires or luxuries. wants. Yeah. But the uh, necessities. Okay. 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 All right. Number three. Uh, you got to meet your obligations that you already have incurred, uh, things you promised to pay. You, you've got to keep your word. You 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 bought on contract. You've got to pay. Your, you've got to pay. So that's got. I think that would come third. So God necessities paying for obligations I've already made. That's got to be on the list. We're gonna make that number three. Number four. I'm gonna argue saving. Savings uh, to prepare for known future expenses. In other words, uh, I, I should be saving. You know, my house at my house, Jacob, the roof is it's really old. Bad. It's looking kind of bad, it is and I've bad. got to be budgeting some money because uh, that's that's going to be a future expense. It's unavoidable. It's inevitable. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, a wise person is going to save for some things that he knows will come up in the future. Is that where we're living in the basement? My basement comes yeah. into play. Yeah. yeah okay. uh, and then. Uh, there's you need to have something for unexpected expenses. Mm -hmm. uh, you need funds for old age when you won't be able to get out and and bust rocks, you know, all day long. <laughs> I dig ditches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, s s some savings is appropriate. Yeah. Um, so that's four. So let me get again. Give to the Lord. Number one. Meet necessities. Number two. Pay your obligations that you've already made. Number three. Save some. Number four. Number five, share. Share with those who are less fortunate. The Bible has so much to say about us being benevolent people. Right. And we need, we need to have a, an eye toward opportunities to help those who don't have. Uh, I, I, uh, Brendan in the chat room mentioned earlier, uh, kind of, it's kind of gone off the screen now, but he mentioned we've got a lot of social safety nets in our country. Uh, but I, in regards to helping the needy, I, I'm especially personally sensitive to some people in places where they don't have mm -hmm. anything at all and they don't have governmental safety nets to help them. Mm -hmm. and there's, there's some good organizations that make it easy for us to be able to get money to places like that, and we ought to look for those opportunities. The Bible certainly teaches us to be benevolently minded. And, you know, we, we referenced earlier Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let a man labor working with his hands the thing that is good. Why? that he may have to give to him that needeth. Yeah. That needs to be a priority for us. And so uh, so that's that's on the list number five. And then number six. So I'm going to go through the list one more time. Number one, God. Number two, necessity. Number three, paying our debts and obligations. Number four, saving some. Number five, sharing with those who have need. Number six, extras. Last, bottom of the list. Luxuries. Luxuries. Things I want. Desires. All right. Uh, Excuse now, me. It, so, Maybe, but I may not ever get to that number six. If I'm doing all the other things right, there's a chance that I, I won't have much left over for extras. Right. But a lot of folks have that list upside down where those things are way yeah. up there near the Yeah, top. I think the problem with a lot of people is that the extras are, are uh, on the first line. i got to have that new car, and I'm going to go on that expensive vacation. Right. You know, uh, and and then everything else gets shuffled down and unfortunately i think many times god gets shuffled to the end of the list or off the list or off the list yeah nick references second samuel 24 verse 24 however the king said to arona 
Uh, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David brought, bought the threshing for and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So David understood the idea of sacrifice. That giving to the Lord should cost me something. Yeah, we don't understand sacrifice in our society too much. Yeah. That's a bad word. Yeah. All right. So there's 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 my budget based on scriptural guidelines. I, I think it's a fair one. I think it's a reasonable It is good. It is good. Uh, the only thing I might say is, you know, you the saving and the sharing with others, that's one of those. Uh, they may be close to being on the same Yeah. Line. Yeah, and sometimes I might not save anything because there's a real need, a real opportunity to help someone. So maybe, maybe this month the right. saving thing goes are, away, so I can do more of the sharing. We're a little flexible. On but that, then right? maybe next month I can save because I'm not confronted with an urgent necessity to help someone. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Dan, uh, you you stayed awake. Yes. And stay uh, awake. and. Well, you, you didn't keep the soapboxes away from us, though, tonight. Yeah, we were on the soapbox quite a bit. We got on them quite a bit. But, oh, you uh, guys found a stash of soap. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, we hope that, uh, that it uh, has been a beneficial study. Lots of things for us to consider, Dad. We, we barely scratched the surface tonight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, uh, we just do need to be aware of the dangers of money. All right. Good. Good. All right. Uh, Brendan said it is, in fact, uh, it's the same one. Same budget, I think you said that. Oh, it's the same one he got in high school economics, except God is at the top. Okay, yeah. well, that's good. That's yeah. good. So we were at least his teacher would give us a passing grade, I think. All right. All right, good. good. All right. Thanks for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being here, Dan, taking time from away from your family to join us. Thank appreciate you, Jacob. Glad to be here. And appreciate you joining us on the program as well. Hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans. We'll be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study his inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.